Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Pencils down because it's time for the Star Seminar. And now, here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Fenton. Welcome once again, diligent scholars, all to another edition of the Star Seminar. This, as you well know, is a team taught course. Joining me, as always, is the world renowned Professor Emeritus of Cowboysology. Dr. Danny Phantom, and I, of course, I'm your humble servant, Dr. Ravel Rouser. Dr. Phantom, how are you? We just experienced NFL Christmas. Did you get a bicycle under your tree, or did you get a lump of coal in your stocking? I got some stuff, Ravs. Um, I, I don't know what to do with it yet. Um, I'm a little bit kind of, you know, curious as to, like, I got to put it together, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, and figure out what I actually have. Uh, but for sure, I'm, I'm really excited about uh some of the gifts um you know i think you know we we hung out on day two so you you already know my um my reactions on you know a couple of the cowboys picks but i will say this i am excited that like the first four players were players that were on my mini board my 40 player mini board and they're players that i'm very familiar with i've done a lot of you know research on and so i like the players um you know and the question really comes down to like you know do i like them as much as i like other players that were available and most of the time that answer is always going to be no i don't and and so so you just kind of come in with a built-in disappointment that seems to accompany most drafts if i'm being honest um unless the cowboys get someone like cd lamb that falls to them or like a trayvon diggs who you know you're super hyped out but you didn't think would make it he does and the cowboys pick him you know when all those things come together uh but you know, that didn't quite happen this go around. So we took some players that some people would consider reaches. But I will say, and I told myself before I even went into this draft, I am going to be satisfied with this because the Cowboys, they know what they're doing. And even like last year, you know, you, you, you heard me and all and how I expressed my feelings and everything. But, you know, what did that mean? So I just, I've learned to just kind of sit back and wait and just, and try to and just, be happy about who the Cowboys drafted because I feel like happiness is on its way. What about you? What is your feeling about how things went down? Well, I think there's a couple things here. Um, you, you said a lot of things that I think I, I think are worthy of unpacking. And the first is, you know, we're disappointed by uh, the guys they picked because there were guys that we like better. And I think that that's the, and then, but then you also said, well, we have to trust in the Cowboys. And, and I think both of those are true. And I think that, um, 
one of the things that we as fans do, and I think this is particularly true because the draft process is so long. They lost to San Francisco in January. We've obviously been doing other things, but we've also been studying college players since then. It's really, really hard for the draft not to be anticlimactic because we study so many guys, right? We look at some, some of us look at hundreds of players. I think we, we probably look at 70 players or something like that, you know, and, and, and read about, uh, about a lot of others. And so, you know, we look at consensus boards, which are not specific to team needs. You know, we see, we see, we see rankings and we form opinions about what the Cowboys should do. And I think this year there's a couple things also. The Cowboys are getting a lot better at not, you know, releasing information, not letting information leak. Like everyone thought they were going to take a tight end. Apparently they really didn't have any intention of taking a tight end, even though they got all the tight ends were on the boards. And, um, you know, there was a lot of, confusion about just who was a 30 visit and who was not so mm-hmm. i think that there was yeah. just there was more um vagueness and less specificity around the cowboys draft which i think allowed us to, to try to form opinions but those opinions were not in line with what the, what the cowboys were doing and so you know we i think we get disappointed but and i'm not saying you're doing this i think we as fans all do this we get disappointed because they don't draft according to what i would do given the little information i have which is almost none compared to what they have right. and the fact that i've been you know looking at things like 30 lists that are incorrect and and uh consensus draft boards that don't take scheme fit and traits that are there you know the sort of you know prioritization of certain traits into effect or into into consideration and so but that happens every year like as you said it's almost always it's almost always disappointing and and you can you can look at at the 2020 draft that you decided when we talk about lamb and and uh digs and in some ways, it was great that those guys fell, but it was also what ultimately happens is those guys fell, and they also happen to be higher on the consensus board. It's just you know, so part mm-hmm. of it is that they, you know the, the Cowboys board for those two players happened to align with the consensus, so we're happy. Right. So I think the thing we really have to do is just like we we have to let go of the consensus board. We have to let go of a lot of that, and and think. And I'm not again, I'm not saying either of us is doing this, but I think it's always a reminder this time of year that it, it's a useful reminder to say. Let's not criticize what they did because we would have done something different. Let's try to understand what they were doing and why. Yeah. Right. And so, with that in mind, the the, the, over, the overwhelming impression for me is, and we can disagree with this because it feels like they looked at their roster, they looked at what happened last year, and they said the number one thing that ails us is run defense. Mm-hmm. Right. So even though we were like, oh, my God, their offense has no has no weapons. You know, they lost to San Francisco because the offense can't, you know, can't generate any, you know, generate anything, any big plays. And, and you know, once Pollard went down, they had they had no, nobody who threatened the defense from a speed perspective. And I think those things are all true. I think that they looked at what happened in 2022 for their season and said. When we can't stop the run other teams eliminate the thing that's best about our team that gives us the biggest chance to win, which is our pass rush. Yes. And they said, we need to stop the run and get people in more third and longs. And if we do that, good things will happen. And that to them feels like it was more important than fixing the offense. And maybe that's because they believe that Mike McCarthy and a new scheme is going to be enough of a fix. That, that That's actually the, the question is what happens if we have better coaching rather than if we have better personnel. Right. And you know, this is, I will say this. This is one of the things that I was very pleased with in this draft as you talk about their approach. 
is the fact that they did go. They had you know, three of the first four players were defensive players, and I think that just caught everyone off guard because you know, absolutely. And uh, but I I feel really good about that approach because I feel like as far as the offense goes, I mean you're looking at you know if you look at the things that really ailed them, I feel like I feel like there there's fixes already there, and then one of them is the fact well we got Brandon Cooks and that's you know you talk about separation and stuff. I think the the Cowboys did not have to go into this with getting one of the top receivers because I feel I feel a lot better about the receiving group and also too and you've heard me say this you know you know over and over again but it's all about the Dak and honestly I feel like he's going to play better and I feel like if the Cowboys if they try to turn this defense from great to, to elite which honestly I don't know where you else you can go but because they're just they're just getting better. Um, then it's going to be a, it's a different Cowboys team. It's it's not one where you have to rely on Dak Prescott to be just MVP like you know per, performance to win football games. And but overall, you're just going to be a better team. So to me, it's a it caught us off guard. But I'm 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 pleased because I want this to be an elite defense. I want this to I want us to just be able to just let Dak go back and 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 be himself. He's got enough weapons. I I, I feel good about the Cowboys offense. And I know you you want to see some improvements in the trenches there, so for protection wise. But outside of that, I don't have a lot of issues with this. So in that regard, I'm I'm pleased with them going after and strengthening their their biggest weakness on this football team. Yeah, I, I think the the thing you just mentioned, uh, strengthening in the trenches, it it feels like maybe that was a little bit lower priority for them than it was for us. I think we all sort of thought that left guard was had to be the first round pick. They had to or they had to address it at least in the first couple three picks. Um, and they didn't necessarily feel that way. I mean, we know they were discussing Bergeron in, in, in round one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but I, I think they felt like that would be a, a nice thing, but that wasn't a must have for them. I think that they feel like they have in-house solutions and what they want to do is they want to add a talented guy to that mix. And they did that. And, and but that, that guy didn't have to be a day one step in starter. Um, or they feel like they can pick up a, a left guard veteran left guard or you know a, a tackle to kick inside or something like they feel like they could get somebody or later on in you know free agency or during training camp or something um the other thing i think that we talked about a lot in the offseason vis-a-vis the offense was that the receivers can't separate and so there's a couple of ways to solve that problem right one is you keep the same offensive coordinator and you get you, you overhaul your receiver room and get guys who can separate and the second is you make some schematic changes and so you, you actually run route combinations that you know, include rubs and other things that are that are in some ways designed to create separation. And it seems like what they've decided to do, for right or for wrong, but it's clear they decided to do it was the latter, right? We're going to get rid of, we're going to get rid of the offensive coordinator. We're going to do a new offense that I, I wouldn't be surprised if if we're if they're really trying to scheme it up so that they're running more bunch formations that allow someone to, to separate underneath it, um, you know, so that. They can use Deuce Vaughn's, you know, quickness or something, uh, uh, you know, underneath and, and get him open and get him in space. And so I mean, it remains to be seen, but it seems to me that 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 the draft makes clear, like a lot of the conversations they've been having, at, you know, before free agency in terms of their offensive, uh, excuse me, their offseason plan. Yeah. And, and so it remains to be seen whether A, that's right, but also B, you know, whether it will be effective. But I think that. You know, Mike McCarthy, as Jason Garrett did, talks about complementary football, and you have to, you know, all of your units have to work symbiotically, and it feels like we can see that as they, I mean, one possible interpretation of the tea leaves is that we can see that 
their offensive discussions did work symbiotically as a sort of coherent whole. And so they made up, they made um, improvements on the defense that will uh, uh, give their offense opportunities. And they're going to try to use scheme to solve a lot of their offensive problems. So maybe, maybe their new offensive line coach is going to, is going to scheme guys differently. And, you know, maybe there'll be better pass blocking because of, because of, um, you know, what Mike Solari brings. So we're, we're, we'll see, but it's right. clear that that's what they're investing in. Yeah, I totally agree. It definitely it remains to be seen, uh, but I sure would like to, to hear, you know, a draft expert's opinion on this whole thing and, and just kind of... Gosh, if only we had one we could bring in to, to chat about the draft with us. Oh, man. That's like... Let me ask you a question. If you could get anybody to come talk about the Cowboys 23 draft, anybody who's out there in the draftosphere, who would that be, my friend? Anyone at all? Anybody. Anyone. Yeah. Oh, geez. Without question, I'm going with I'm going with Mr. Dane. Oh, do you mean Dane Brugler? I do. Yeah. Well, as it just so happens, we reached out to Dane Brugler, and he has agreed to come on with us. What is you? So what? there's frankly nobody in the world I'd rather talk about the draft in general, and because he's been so connected to the Cowboys, the Cowboys draft. So I tell you what. Without further ado, let's get Dane in here and uh, and see what he thinks about the 2023 draft and how the Cowboys did within it. This is going to be fantastic. All right, students, this time I'm going to ask you to put your notebooks down. Don't take notes. Just listen and drink in the wisdom of today's great guest. Normally what happens when someone comes on, I spend about 20 minutes hyping them before I introduce them. There's no need to hype this man. You already know he's the greatest there is. When I think of this guy, I think of something that Bum Phillips said once about Earl Conley. He said, I don't know what class he's in, but I know for sure it don't take long to take role. And that, my friends, describes the guy who's coming on to talk to us today, Dane Brugler. <laughs> Dane, welcome. And I will say... To, for for my money, you are the best draft analysis since I've been following the draft, and I, I really, I really, I can't think of anybody else other than maybe Joel Bushbaum, who's in the same class as you, my friend. Uh, I mean, it's uh, I got to be in the running for the best intro I've ever had. So thank you very much. That's, that's very humbling to hear that. Um, and no, no, it's a joy to join you guys. It's it's. I, I, I'm just I'm glad that we're able to talk about instead of guessing. You know what are these teams going to do? What are the Cowboys going to do? We can actually reflect on what they've done. And so it's uh, the conversation kind of shifts now. And I very, very much enjoy that. Absolutely. I, you know, as a draft, Nick, I'm always fascinated when those little tidbits come out and we like, we learn little things about the draft. Like, you know, in six months from now, we're going to know even more than we know now because they'll be interacting with the media and little things will get out. And it's always fun to kind of put the story together, uh, you know, and so it's not 100% guesswork. Um, before we get into talking more about the Cowboys draft and the draft in general, I just want to kind of ask you as someone who, you know, does a, stacks your players every year, a couple of sort of stacking questions. Like, how do you go about that? Because I, I think that's a really fascinating process. But the first thing I'd like to ask is, on your board, I think you had like 20 or 21 guys who seemed to have like a pure first-round grade, and then you had a bunch of guys who were one-twos. How do you distinguish between the last guy who gets a first-round grade and the next guy who has a one-two? Because I imagine that actually there's not a lot of difference between them. So, like, what what makes a guy, you know, a second-round grade, a one-two grade versus a one grade? Yeah, and, that, and that's a great question. Um, it, it's and, and it's tough too because I'm not scouting for a specific scheme, a specific culture. 
um, anything like that. So, you know, if I was, say I was running a team, you know, my draft board would not, it would be a little bit different uh, based off of what specifically I was looking for. And, you know, I wouldn't be, you know, all these players, obviously some of them would not be on my draft board. You know, some of them I would not want to draft. But, uh, you know, doing this from a general perspective, of course, everybody's in there. And so um, when you try to, you know, you give these guys, I have my own in-house, you know, kind of numerical grade and my own grading system. Um, I always leave it up to the the fans and the readers about, you know, should I shift and do like, you know, okay, this player is a a 6.52 or, you know, and they – uh, most of my feedback I get is just keep it the way it is. It's easier to digest with a, a, a first or a second. And it just, you know, that's what they want. And so whatever, that's fine with me. Um, but I do have my own kind of numerical system. And, you know, it's, it, it's, it's scouting's an inexact science. As much as we want to turn it into this, uh, you know, scientific formula, you know, a, a, a analytical thing, it's just, it is very much a, a more of an art than a true science. And it always will be. There's just too many variables to take into account. Um, and so when you look at these, you know, different, different positions, you're looking for different things. Uh, for me, I have certain traits that are non-negotiable for uh, if I'm going to give a first round grade on a certain position. Um, and, you know, I, I think there's also a feel element to this, you know, and I have to put myself in, uh, uh, you know, the shoes of, okay, I, I'm drafting for a team and I have the 20th pick. Would I feel comfortable drafting this player there? Is there is there value there? Does it make sense? And so, yeah, there's so much that goes into it. And, um, you know, they're, not every player I love, but you know what? I have to look at it from a general perspective and say, okay, if I had this, this type of need, would I still give him that type of grade? So, yeah, it, it, it's kind of tough doing it from that, you know, general uh, view, that, that general perspective. But uh, you know, it's something that uh, tried to explain in the in the summary and try to uh, give a better idea of what this guy the best fit, where the best scheme, all that type of thing. So, um, you know, it's it's definitely an inexact science. So, you know, it seems pretty straightforward. You know, stacking players at the same position, um, but how do you go about stacking, like say, a second round edge rusher against a second round guard? Right, and you know that's. It, it does get tough because you can't ignore uh, position strength and, you know, the importance of certain positions. Like how do you possibly rank quarterbacks with uh, guards? You know, it's just like, it's, it's a tough exercise to do. Um, you know, in reality, I think you should almost have your quarterback board and then your non-quarterback board, you know, cause it's just hard to put value wise put a grade with a, a quarterback, you know, compared to these other positions, um, you know, and so, you know, with uh, you, this is where you, you trust your numerical system. Um, you, you trust your scouting. And when you don't, you don't try to window dress, you don't try to, after you put your grades on these players and you stack them and you say, huh, so this guy's got a higher grade than this other player. And you, you know, well, maybe I'll tweak it. So this guy's higher. I mean, you have to trust your process. It's absolutely part of uh, this whole thing is if you can't, if you don't have a process to trust, then you're not going to get the results that you want. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's something that for me as an individual, I, I mean, after every draft, I, I go back and you know, usually three years from now, two years or uh, three years ago, two years ago, and look at, okay, what did I miss? And, you know, why did I miss it? Or sometimes, okay, I got this player exactly right. It's just, you know, maybe he's not being used the right way. 
Uh, or maybe I got the player exactly right, but the value was wrong in terms of, okay, the scouting report, I'm reading the scouting report. That's exactly what he is in the NFL, but maybe I didn't value it high enough in terms of, you know, I should have had a second round grade on him instead of a third round grade. So, um, you know, it's, it's so, as an evaluator, you have to be a self-evaluator. You have to better understand your process and just keeps coming back to that. Uh, if you don't have a sound process in place, you're not going to get the results that you want. And that process helps you differentiate different positions that might have similar grades. Thanks for all that. It's fascinating. I, I feel, I feel like uh, if I were in your position, that would be the part that would give me the biggest headache because it's, okay. you know, I mean, it, you know, there's, it's so nuanced, but I think that ultimately like the way you break through the nuance, and as you said, was to trust the process. Um, I'd like to transition if we can to the, to the most recent draft. And we were told in the Cowboys, one of the pressers, one of the post uh, draft day pressers that they actually only had 11 first round grades. Um, so I know you had more than that, but I, it just seems to me that, that 11 makes sense because it feels like in some ways this might be one of the least talented, if not the least talented top of the draft we've seen in some time, if not ever. So where do you fall in that regard in terms of this draft and the ta- especially the talent at the top? Yeah. And if I was running a team, I probably would have only had, you know, 12, 13, 15 first round grades. I mean, that that's, you know, how it ends up in this class. Um, yeah. It, the quarterbacks, I think gave it a little more, um, excitement at the top but for the most part yeah just the non-quarterbacks it was a hard group to get excited about in terms of true blue chippers um you know it's you know you you can go certain positions and say next year's top player at that position is better than what we had this year Marvin Harrison Jr. will be he would have been the first receiver if he were in this class um you know I, I think you can go there are other certain positions where that that certainly makes sense uh but you know it's it's always interesting when, you know, you are a team that's picking in the twenties and you're looking at it with, okay, we only have 12 first round grades, whatever it is. Are you sticking put and saying, okay, hopefully one of our guys falls. Are you looking at your second round and saying, okay, are we going to stay true to our second round board? Or are we going to maybe fudge it a little bit to maybe go with the position that's of greater need in the first round? If you're picking top 15, you need to stick to, to your board, take the best player available. I mean, and unless it's like, you know, the Cowboys aren't going to draft a quarterback. So, you know, it's not always, uh, you know, that cut and dry, but you need to take the best player available no matter what. Now, when you're picking where the Cowboys are picking and you're dealing with second and third round graded players at that point, that's where you maybe fudge it a little bit and say, okay, you know, Mozzie Smith, uh, you know, the the value of the nose compared to, okay, we could go with an offensive lineman here. Matthew Bergeron's a really good player. We think he could step in right away and play guard for us. But we've really been missing this guy on the defensive front. And so, uh, you know, I, that's, that's where there starts to be a discussion. Uh, you start talking about the tight ends. And even though, you know, they have their board layout, when you start talking about the second and third rated uh round graded players that's where you start to fudge a little bit on let's take it, it's not just about best player it's also best player that's also going to make the biggest impact because of the position that we need yeah and i think you just i mean we saw the inside of the war room too with basically wilma saying exactly that so um, that makes perfect sense support for this show comes from sylvan learning as a parent You want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. 
Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. In looking at the Cowboys draft, many people are okay with the players, uh, but they're not particularly thrilled with the value of those picks. You know, as an example, you had a third-round grade on uh, Luke Schoonmaker in a third-fourth on uh, DeMarvion uh, Overshone, and then a fifth on Fihoko. So what we would like to do is focus on the positive. And so with that in mind, if you don't mind, we'd like to, uh, you to pretend that you're Will McClay and just kind of sell us on why you love your picks, uh, particularly the ones that you, Will McClay, loved more than, say, draft pundits like Dane Brugler. Hmm. Yeah, and you know what? I, look, I, we we got better today. Okay, but plain and simple, we, we added good players. Uh, and when you look at a Luke Schoonmaker, uh, you know, obviously the tight ends at that point were flying off the board. And so in the first round, we made a decision. You know, we could have gone tight end. You know, we could have gone on Sam Laporta, Michael Mayer. We decided to go with uh, the nose tackle because we knew nose tackle wasn't going to stretch. You're not finding anything close to a Mozzie Smith in the second round. But at tight end, we felt like there's still some really quality tight ends that we're going to be picking uh, that we could have in that late second round. And let's remember, we're picking at the end of the round. So, you know, if you, it's easy to say we drafted a player around too early, but when you're picking within five, six picks uh, of the end of the round, you know, you, you realistically have to look towards uh, that next round and you're, you're going to be drafting those players. And with the Luke Schoonmaker, uh, 6'5", 250, really good athlete, he's going to block his butt off. Uh, you know, we, we feel like there's not a huge drop-off between what uh, a Sam Laporta would have given us uh, and a Luke Schoonmaker gives us. Uh, and, and then with the uh, Overshone linebacker, I mean, you, you got to love the versatility. Uh, you, you think about a former safety when he was coming in, moved a linebacker, played some edge. Uh, he, he's a guy that flies around the field, run and chase. Uh, you, so you love the speed. You love the athletic traits. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, the, the aggressiveness, the energy that he plays with, it's something that uh, we need on this, uh, on this defense. So uh, he, he makes our defense better. He's going to play some special teams as well. So, uh, you know, I, we feel great about what we did on day two. And then even on day three, you know, we, we, uh, we trust our scouts. And these are guys that our scouts identified as, uh, as being important role players as rookies and then potential to be more. Uh, we did that. We trusted our guys last year with a guy like Deron Bland who wasn't being talked about as being draftable for a lot of teams. And so uh, we'll trust our scouts to find those guys. And, uh, and now it's up to the coaches to develop them. It's actually interesting to me how many pundits are saying, we love the Cowboys draft, but we have to trust in Will McClay. It feels like that's a new narrative that's beginning to develop. And, and frankly, I think it's, you know, in a long time coming because mm-hmm. ever since he took over in 2014, their drafts have been, I think, very strong. And I think all the things you're, you're saying, Will, uh, are, are true. Um, 
So a, a couple couple things here I want to I want to ask. The first is you've been following the Cowboys. So you were you know Dallas based for a while. You were following the Cowboys yeah. closely. You were on you were on the the, the dot com site. Uh, I'm sure you were you know connected in the building. So you really know a lot about them and their process. And so the first thing I want I would like to to sort of pick your brain about is what's in your opinion the greatest difference with the, for the team drafting under Mike McCarthy than they did under Jason Garrett. Hmm. Um. You know what I, I think that. With the Cowboys, the way their front office is structured, the coaches are always going to have a strong say. Um, and that's that's not always the case in every building. You know, some teams, it's, you know, the GM is, you know, he, he rules with an iron fist. And, you know, he his scouts are, uh, you know, his guys. And the, the coaches, they, they can have their input, but it's going to come down to the scouts and who the GM wants. Um, with the Cowboys, it is, it does feel like it's more collaborative and that that's the way it was with the previous coaching staff. And that's the way it is, uh, now with the Mike McCarthy regime. And I, it's, it's, I think it's a very healthy way to do it. So I think there are similarities there, but when you look at some of the assistants and how those change, that's where you start to get into maybe some philosophical shifts. Um, like like Marinelli was never going to draft Mozzie Smith in the first round. That that was not going to happen under Jason Garrett. Uh, because of uh, you know, the the defensive coaches at the time. Now, with the way, you know, with Dan Quinn and uh, the way, the, you know, the coaches currently uh, for the Cowboys, all of a sudden, Mozzie Smith becomes more of a, uh, a, a possible uh, pick. And, you know, it's the first time you drafted a defensive tackle in, what, 30 years? So in the first round. So, you know, it's something that the 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 it's always going to be a collaborative process with the Cowboys as long as Will McClay and the Jones family are involved, which I really respect. Um, but the the different coaches and the way they look at things, the certain things they want for their scheme and all that, that's where I think we're going to see. That's where we see the most changes uh, between the previous regime and this regime. And you know, there's no bigger example than than Mozzie Smith. Like I said, this is that would not have been the pick uh, five years ago. Uh, but now with the the current coaching staff, uh, it becomes more of a uh, more of a possibility. And that and that was the, I, I did not see that one coming. I thought for sure they would have went tight end at that point, um, uh, I, or even a Matthew Bergeron. I thought that made sense when you look at the you know the this is a team that loves to build on the offensive line. They they needed that extra guard, a guy with versatility. Um, did not think they would go to Mozzie Smith, but I don't I don't have any problem with the pick. I think that they you know Mozzie Smith is a uh, a really, really good player. And I think he went exactly, if he didn't go to the Cowboys, I think he would have went, what, a pick or two later to the Saints. Um, and he, he would have went soon after. So that's right in the range that Mozzie Smith was going to go. Yeah, you're talking about how the assistant coaches shape the draft philosophy. And I think that another place you're talking about Mozzie Smith and the fact that they haven't drafted a defensive tackle, but you can even look at it. It seems to me like, especially on defense, um, but I think across across the roster, uh, like where we have players twenty five to forty, you know, where it seems like the assistant coaches are a lot clearer about the traits that they want in their guys that will allow them to win in a select number of plays. So, like a guy mm-hmm. like Israel Aquamu or even a J. Ron Curse, bringing guys in like that who might not succeed elsewhere. But I think the the clarity of vision for the player and the and the ability for the coaches to tell the talk to the scouts about what those traits might be, and then the scouts to find those guys. It feels like that they're just clearer about that stuff. They're like those. There's a consistent profile now, where it felt like before under Garrett, that profile wasn't always consistent, or sometimes it would shift year to year. You know. 
Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's how you miss and, and draft a Taco Charlton over a TJ Watt, right? You know, I mean, uh, not to open that wound, but, it, you know, that, that's uh, the discourse between exactly what the coaches want and what the scouts think. You know, that's the, the, there could be some back and forth. It, it, there still is. You know, it's it's not a, it, you know, they're, they're going to, scouts are always going to have their guys. I mean, they're the ones on the road working these schools and, and you know, you, you find certain traits that you love in a player and, you, sometimes you look at it and say, not, I don't know if our coaches are really going to go for this. I mean, they, they like this, but they're not going to like that. And, you know, so you try and sell it. I mean, as a scout, you wear so many hats, right? You're a psychologist, you're an evaluator, you've got your crystal ball. Sometimes you have to be a salesman and kind of sell a guy to to your coaching staff and listen, okay, he does this really well. I think we use him this way, this way, this way. And either the coaches see the vision or they don't. And it's up to the scout to really sell it. So um, I, I, but I do think that it, it just feels more collaborative uh, this with this regime than it did in past years. feels like they're more on the same page. Um, I don't think that even if the scouts or even if the coaches wanted Bergeron or even if uh, some of the coaches wanted Sam Laporta uh, with that first round pick, I don't think any of them are upset with Mozzie Smith because they understand, look, this is going to make us better, especially on the defensive line. It's going to free up Micah Parsons to make more plays. It's going to free up everybody else to make more plays. So I, it, does just, it just feels like it's, uh, you know, they're working more in concert than they did in previous years. Yeah, I, honestly, I mean, even though you don't feel it right away, I mean, it's hard to really complain about what the Cowboys have been doing in the draft mm-hmm. in recent years. So, so you know, I'm, ex- I'm excited about to see where this is going to go. Um, but before we let you go, Dane, um, we want to just run through a quick little Cowboys draft speed round. So we have some questions yeah. for you. So just throw us some answers here. So I'll start things off with the best value. Uh, best value. I probably a seem Richards. I mean, this is a player that's he's going to help them this year. Um, and, and you know, anytime you get a chance to take a Philly native and put a star in his helmet, you got to love that. Right. So six, four, three, 10, uh, you know, played left tackle primarily, but can also kick inside the guard. I think they see this guy as that, that swing tackle who has guard versatility uh, and somebody that's going to help them uh, right away as a rookie coming off the bench. So um, attrition on the offensive line is, is a thing. And I seem Richards to get him and what the fifth round. I, I love that value quite a bit. And I'm glad to hear you say that too, because like as each round kept going by and there's no lineman and you're like wondering, you know what, what? Who's left and who could they get? So I'm glad that you feel feel that way about him. Um, all right, biggest surprise. Um, you know, I, I think that. I mean, I, I wouldn't say any of the first three picks. I mean, I, I there was those necessarily weren't surprises. Um, I Eric Scott in the sixth. Uh, you know, I. Uh, he, he ran a 4-7, 40-yard dash to the pro day. I know he was banged up a little bit, but this is one of those scout picks. You know, if he turns out to be Deron Bland, then, you know, it, it, the, obviously the Cowboys hit another home run, uh, and it, you know, at that point in the draft. But a little surprise, he came off the board when he did ahead of some of the other corners that were there. Um, and then and then not addressing running back until the sixth round. Like, that was a surprise, too. And, you know, Deuce Vaughn, and, I mean, that was obviously the – the moment of the draft uh it just did an unbelievable moment for that family and for the franchise but it was still a surprise to see them wait until um as long as they did to to get the running back i think you know i in the third round i i, I know they wanted rashawn johnson uh the uh, the texas run, uh, running back i just think it came down to they had a higher grade on overshone and they trusted their board 
but I think it, it I think it was pretty close. I think Rashawn Johnson in the third round very well could have been their pick. Yeah, that's what we were thinking too. Uh, even when we saw Fossil in the war room too, because both of those guys are special teams guys too. I had a quick, right. quick, quick question: Did you have Nashawn Wright on your in the Beast? Did you ever write up on him? On who? I'm sorry, Nashawn Wright. Uh, Do you remember offhand? I, yeah, he was in there. Oh, I know he's in there, but it, I wonder if he was like the best of the rest. Or uh, I can't remember how to write up. But I'm just the Eric Scott surprised us too. And of course, when he we didn't have anything on him, we went to the beast, and there's right. nothing there. Um, so I just kind of that's kind of how I felt with this pick a little bit. Like, right. Um, but um, all right, move on quick uh, to the next one. Um, this one is the I would have made a different choice pick. Um, me personally, um, yeah, I mean, I, for the, the first round, I mean, as much as I did like Mozzie Smith and I, I'm fine with that pick, I probably personally would have went Michael Mayer myself, just, you know, the grade I had on Mayer and what I think he brings to the offense. That, that's just me personally. Um, I, but I didn't have a problem with Mozzie. Um, in the second round, you know, it's hard, it's hard to remember who else was there at, at that point. Um, let me pull it up real well, quick. That Osiris, uh, Osiris Torrance was available. Yeah, the one killing people is Osiris Torrance was there. Yeah, with Scooney. That's right. Yeah, Torrance went one pick later. Um, yeah, that that that's tough to pass on Torrance at that point. Um, so that's, as much as I do like Schoonmaker, um, I probably would have went uh, Torrance at that. See, I, okay, I would have went Torrance there at 58, and then I would have found a way in the third round to move up for either Tucker Craft. If, if, if I went Mozzie Smith first round, Osiris Torrance second round, I would have found a way to move up and either taken Tucker Craft or Kendra Miller, the TCU running back. That 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 would have been the kind of the what I, how I would have attacked uh, the draft if I was if I was the Cowboys. Um, you know, and obviously it's it'll cost something um, when you move up like that. But I think it would have been worth it for uh, for those players. You know, you mentioned Richards already, so but favorite day three pick would this would it be Richards? Yeah, I think so because I, I think that uh, they got him at a good spot, good value, um, and you know he's he's a former basketball player. He you feel like there's upside there, um, you know, a chance to get better, and uh, at, at worst, you feel like you're getting a really solid backup. And so to get that in the fifth round, I think you feel feel really good about it. How about the pick you're most likely to be wrong about? Uh, the pick for the Cowboys. Yes. Um, I mean, it, it, probably uh, Scott. I mean, the Southern Miss uh, corner. Um, you know, because I did not have a super high grade on him. Um, you know, he's a guy that I will be going back to here over this next next few weeks to uh, watch some more. And it's it, that is always a thing on my end where the toughest part is to know, like, tell myself, okay, I, I've seen enough. I've watched enough. I know what this guy is. And with Scott. You know, after four tapes, I feel like, okay, I got a good idea what this guy is. Maybe that fifth tape would have changed my mind. You know, maybe that sixth tape. Would have, you know, and so there's only so many hours in the day. And so to, it, it has to be efficient. And so when you feel like you know a guy, okay, time to move on. You put a grade on a player. Um, and uh, unless you hear something, then maybe you go back. I didn't hear a ton of buzz for Scott, so I never went back to him after after I watched my four games. But uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch some new games here coming up next few weeks to see if maybe I missed something. Or maybe, you know, we just – Cowboys and I disagree on a player, which is always uh, possible. I mean, Eric Scott, who knows? If the Cowboys didn't draft him, maybe another team wouldn't have drafted him. You know, there's no way we'll, we'll never truly know. 
but uh, you know, we'll, we'll we'll see how that one plays out. There's a, definitely a chance I'm wrong on him. All right, Dane, the last one. Uh, one word to describe the Cowboys' process on draft day is sound. Um, you know, I think that it, it's uh, you you understand what they were doing. Uh, even if I would have dr- taken Dorian Williams, a linebacker from Tulane, and went one pick later after Overshone, even if I, I, I pr- much preferred Williams to Overshone, um, I, I understand, you know, we're, we're getting into semantics there. It's, you know, it's just uh, they had a higher grade on a player than I did. Um, but I understand the sound nature of their process, going with the nose tackle, which defensive tackles were going to fly off the board. So I understand what they did that in the first round. Second round, going with uh, the tight end after another position is just flying off the board. Um, third round, getting their highest graded player at that point. Um, you know, I, I at least understand what they were doing, even if I would have maybe changed a few of the picks. I think it's a very sound process. A very last question I want to ask you before you head out. How many boxes of tissue did you did you go through watching uh, uh, Chris uh, Vaughn's reaction when they told him they were going to draft his son? I mean, it's it's just so cool. Uh, I, I can't imagine. I mean, I, I've got four kids and, you know, just thinking about having any type of moment like that would be just just amazing. Um, and to make that phone call, just you can't you can't create that stuff. You know, we're, we're not all of us are going to be lucky to have a moment like that in our lives. And so to see a, a really good family have that type of moment, you can't help but just feel make you feel good. And so no, no doubt the moment of the draft was when that happened. And as soon as I saw that name flash at the bottom of the screen, it was like, you know, the Leo meme, like you're pointing like, oh, they did it. I can't believe they did it. And then when the videos start coming out, it's just like, I mean, I, you, you don't get better than that. I mean, I, Giants fans, Eagles fans, Commanders fans, they were watching that and loving it. And that tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. I, I actually went to, uh, into the other room to tell my wife about it, and I couldn't finish telling her the whole story because I got teared up because I was oh. I was so moved by it. You know, watching Chris, watching Chris Vaughn's reaction, it was awesome. Oh, yeah. Listen, yeah. speaking of awesome, Dane, it was great, great talking to you. I've been a fan since way back when you were, like, you know, writing writing posts on players for CBS Sports. And, you know, it's been just been great to watch the evolution of the beast and, and your ascendancy as a, as a you know, as a scout and, and the respect that you have around, you know, around the larger NFL universe. So, I, I just can't tell you how, how thrilled I am to have a chance to chop it up for you a little bit and um, go take a much, much deserved rest, my friend. No, I appreciate that. This, no, this was my pleasure. It's, uh, it's good to come on with you guys and talk Cowboys and uh, process and all that type of thing. So, no, I really enjoyed it. I, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Dane. Thanks for hanging with us. Really appreciate it. Have a good one. Thanks, guys. Well, before we brought Dane in, you said, this is going to be fantastic. And <laughs> my good sir, you were right. That was fantastic. Uh, he's just such uh, a clear, articulate analyst of the draft. You know, he, he, as, he was, as he was talking to us, he was talking about process and the way that Dane operates. You just get the sense that he, he's, he operates with such clarity and integrity. You know he has a clear process. He follows it. But then, as he, as he was saying, he self-scouts and, and makes little tweaks in it, but then he sticks to it. And, um, you know, I think if every team did that, there'd be a lot of teams that drafted better. Yeah, no, it was it was very interesting to hear everything he said. And I, you know, I, I like the numerical value thing because I'm always trying to figure out how, 
how players are getting stacked and everything. But and but what I particularly love about Dane is just you know, as you you told meant talk to him about you know he's he's very connected with the Cowboys. You know we know we've seen we've seen him on the draft show many times. You know he's very in tune with with um, Will McClay and everything. In fact, when we asked him to be Will McClay, it was like you know he was just talking. It was like he was channeling. <laughs> it was awesome. It was, it was so. I mean, it was it was. It was truly a treat to have him on. I'm so glad that he joined us. Um, but, Rabs, that's all we have for today. The draft's oh. over. The show's oh, over. Oh, now I've got the sads. Yeah, you got the sads. But, you know, hey, we'll have another draft in, in another 365 days. So just, you know, yeah. it's just right around the corner. Um, but that's all we have for today. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Blogging the Boys Podcast ne- Network. Leave us a rating, write a review, wherever your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iTunes or Stitcher. Tell us what you think, anything you would like us to do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, any Cowboys hot topics, uh, who was your favorite draft pick, um, you can hit us up on Twitter. I'm at DannyPhantom24 and Rabs is at RabbleRouser, spelled R-A-B-B-L-E-R-O-U-S-R. Don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have the World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart, so make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay happy, stay true to the silver and blue, and we will catch you later. The off-season program has begun, people. Get in the gym. <laughs>